What's up, everyone? This is episode number 94 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. All right, well, I got a lot of good feedback this past week regarding episode 93, which was about the Collector's Universe sale. And I had a lot of people asking about Vamsey. He was an awesome guest. I'll have to bring him back on at some point. And I feel like he made that episode worth listening to. So if you haven't checked it out yet, make sure to download that and have it ready to play right after this one. I also want to give a quick plug to the guys over at the Pack to the Future podcast. They had me on their show last Saturday, and I got to share my top five hobby lessons from 2020. So please go download that episode if you haven't already. In the meantime, uh, here's a little clip from that episode, just a little teaser to hold you over. Um... I'm going to swap this out and call an audible. F. Mary Kill, Upper Deck, Fleer, Tops. Um, I mean, am, am I getting them in their primes? Or? Yeah, your favorite. <laughs> okay. Um, I would have to say, you know what? I love Tops. And at, so Tops, um, I don't know. I got to think, do I want a long-term? That's the question. long-term guy with tops? Yeah. I, I guess I would uh, marry tops. Okay. Um, F upper deck because they had all the sexy UD black and gold and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, and did. then Fleer killed themselves off. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually, if I marry upper deck, I get Fleer too now. <laughs> Good point. Well played, well played. Okay, so if you like what you heard there, search Pack to the Future podcast and check those guys out. And thanks once again to Chad and Ricky and Tim for having me on. Uh, As for today's episode, I've got several things lined up for you. I want to start off with some hobby headlines, which revolve primarily around the record card sales from the past week. I want to talk a little bit about the mail And then I'm going to close with my feeble attempt to strike back at all of the spammers that we've seen pop up in the hobby over the last few months. Okay, so let's start off with the hobby headlines. And I'm sure you've seen it blasted all over social media already, but we had several pretty big basketball card sales this week. And yeah, I'm probably missing one or two in here. Um, And yes, that's excluding all of the Taylor and Horton Tucker cards, but the ones that I want to talk about or at least mention real quick were the... Um, We had a PMG Green Jordan that sold on Heritage Auctions for $915,000. There was a 2013 Giannis Prison Black Mosaic, one of one, uh, that sold for over a million dollars with Golden Auctions. And then there was a Steph Curry National Treasures RPA, uh, Gold RPA, numbered to 25, that sold for $616,000 also on Golden Auctions. So... I've had a couple of people ask me what I think this means for the hobby. And I, I always have to say this ahead of time because I'll get the backlash. But this is not a segment where I set out to just bash investors or create any more of a divide between investors or collectors. Okay, People are asking me what I think. This is just my perspective. You don't have to agree with it. I'm not going to hash it out in my DMs with you like we're on an episode of First Take. This is just what I think. Take it or leave it. So... Um, first off, 
I think these sales represent another big progression in the quote-unquote cards as commodities movement. Not that we haven't seen big sales already, but these are more examples for us where we can see this thing play out. And we've really seen this idea of cards as commodities evolve quite a bit over the last year to where now there are different levels. Um, on the lower side, you have people that actually accumulate multiples of a liquid card, usually a graded base card or a parallel or a graded rookie. And they end up becoming label accumulators. And some people use that to acquire cards they want to collect. Uh, some people use that to move into a bigger investment. Some people use it as a quick way to earn wealth. It is what it is. But um, these prices on these really rare cards are now at an entirely different level. And I've heard, uh, you know, I've heard of some collectors that are still gunning for these cards in an actual attempt to collect them. Um, a lot of those guys are getting priced out, though. And, I, you know, I suppose there are only so many millionaires and good businessmen that are looking to acquire these things and not move them as a business transaction down the road. So um, even some of the higher end guys are getting priced out if they have to go this alone. And that's where the next level comes in, which is fractional ownership. And for those of you who have never heard of this, there are people that are pooling their resources resources together to co-own cards and some people are doing this informally maybe um, it's just an agreement with them and a friend and you know maybe they've even drawn up paperwork to safeguard themselves i don't know and then there are also companies now that will purchase an item outright and offer shares to potential customers and the two big ones that i know of are rally road which i think they started off with a mickey mantle rookie and then there's an app and a website called the collectible app which well it's also collectible.com i think um, that has similar offerings as well. And, they, and then they do memorabilia, I know. Um, and when I talk about some of these big cards specifically, I can't always verify who's buying what. I can't even assure you that any of the three cards that I mentioned were purchased by fractional ownership groups. But I can assure you that a lot more of this is popping up. It's not a dark secret. It's nothing bad. You can go on these sites and find similar offerings um, people talk about it on social media. They talk about it on message boards. It's a viable business model. And personally, I'm not a fan of it. And once again, this is not any sort of indictment against anyone that chooses to go that route. It's just not the way I want to collect or own cards or own portions of cards, I guess. Um, when Rally Road first came out with their mantle offering, I heard someone say, yeah, but wouldn't you love to own at least a part of an iconic card, even if you can't have the whole thing? And my answer is no. If that was my approach to buying in, I'd probably just accept the fact that I'll never own a Mantle Rookie and move on. It would force me to search for alternatives that were more in my range. In fact, that's exactly what I've done with players like George Mikan and, and Bill Russell. I can't afford either one of their rookies, but... It's forced me to branch out, and I now own some other Mike and Russell cards that weren't on my radar. Um, I really like them, and I'm excited to own them. And I don't necessarily look at them as I only have this because I couldn't get the real thing. Um, they're cards that I also appreciate for what they are. So I want to be able to see the card, touch the card, show someone the card, physically trade the card. Um, I didn't get into this for an electronic funds transfer. Now... Will I buy into one of these down the road out of curiosity? Maybe. You know, I'm not going to completely rule it out now. I do try um, to try different things just to get 
a different perspective. But uh, and you know, it might end up being some easy money for other cards I want. But at the present time, I'm not really interested. So um, to wrap up that thought, I think these big sales feed more into the same mentality and the same approach to the hobby. And the more mainstream this stuff becomes and the more exposure it gets, the more of this we're going to see. And at some point, instead of having um, the graded base card hot potato or the LeBron silver hot potato, we're going to have the high-end fractional ownership hot potato. At some point, one of these groups or partnerships is going to end up buying way too high. Um, And I don't think that's anytime soon. And, um, you know, but for this to work, there has to be a bigger buyer lined up down the road or a bigger group of buyers lined up down the road. And at some point, you just run out. Um, Now, uh, regarding these sales, another question I end up with then is, yeah, well, doesn't this excite you as a collector? Because this will inevitably trickle down to the lower end stuff. Well, um, I guess my first, you know, my, my response to that would be, will it? Um, but if, if we assume that it will, the, you know, the short answer is no. And the people that seem really excited about this right now are people that have either similar cards, of similar players. Um, maybe they're excited about the fractional ownership stuff, just that angle of it. Or maybe they study data. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people that are really into charts and graphs and stuff, and the, this is exciting to them because it's um, their new data points and they change the game. And I get it. Um, but as far as this thing trickling down, I, I'm not sure if it's ever going to get to the bottom. And a lot of people, you know, I, I agree with the idea that history repeats itself. Um, and a lot of people always want to point back to the Jordan PMG green sale from early 2019. That one did reach the bottom, but I think it might be be, um, anomalous because there are two parallels. You've got your PMG Red, which has 90 copies, and then the base parallel, which is a great looking card that's very attainable. And the excitement of that card percolated over a period of time and jumped again, partially because of COVID and the last dance. Um, The key thing, though, is that there was a version of that card at the bottom. Well, let's look at two of the examples of these recent card sales then. Um, You have the Steph Curry, gold RPA number to 25, and and the base parallel of that is number to 99. Um, And, you know, we know that even some of those have been compromised. That's been well documented on this show. And I think those definitely saw a huge boost in value this past week. I'm not going to speculate on value. I know I saw... Uh, PWCC listed one for like $850,000, you know, but that, so that's not a card that the average person is going to go and find in a box in their garage, like the metal Jordan. In fact, I think I've only seen two to three copies of the Curry RPA in person period. Um, There's no mass produced parallel that allows the rest of the hobby to really share in the success, so to speak. Um, Unless this somehow trickles down to other more common Steph Curry cards. Um, But I don't think that those are going to see a bump as a direct result of this RPA. Um, You know, another example would be this Giannis Prism Black Mosaic 101. Are there parallels to this card? Yes. Do they number more than 100? Yes. There are multiple parallels of this card. 2013 was when Prism really started adding those parallels. Um, and even the, the silvers are believed to be somewhere between two and 400 copies. But um, Prism was still somewhat limited 
in print run that year when you look at it relative to the other years. So you're not going to see a lot of people finding those Giannis rookie base um, at the same rate that they were finding those metal Jordans. Now, let's say that this value manages to trickle down to the lowest levels of the card market. A lot of collectors are still going to want to hold on to their nice stuff, and the stuff that they want will be even harder to get their hands on. So anyway, uh, that's part of my take on all the recent record sales. I think we're only scratching the surface. Um, I'm not sure I like where things are going. At the same time, it is what it is. I'm not here to complain. That's just my honest opinion. People ask for it. There it is. Um, And I'll always find ways to adapt. So the hobby is what you make it. I'm going to enjoy it. But yes, that's a new angle that's happening right now. Okay, so that's... um, a decent segue to this week's mail segment then, which is not going to be a long segment at all. Um, I did get a a big binder of vintage football cards in today, which was pretty nice, but um, not a lot of basketball. It did have two pages of of 57 tops, which I'll enjoy, but um, I had some things on the way here that I plan to talk about I thought would be in, but um, mail is an absolute mess right now. And the USPS is swamped. Packages are not getting scanned. Uh, I have some that are just roaming aimlessly around the country. I had one that even made it to my city, to my local post office. They attempted a delivery, it said, and then it got returned to the sender all the way back in the Northeast. Um, I don't know what happened there. So all of that is to say, you know, if you're waiting on packages, please be patient with your sellers. Please be patient with the Postal Service. Um, you know, if, if your seller's giving you a tracking number, do not hold this against them. Okay, so just let's just keep that in mind this holiday season. Things are kind of hectic. Really, this year in general, things are kind of hectic. This is an instance where I think um, we should give them the benefit of the doubt. All right, before I move into what is possibly the most trollish sh- segment I've ever done on this show, I want to take a moment to tell you a little about Fanatics. As you guys know, there are costs that go into running a podcast, so I signed up for the Fanatics Affiliate Program. So whether you want to buy a a Panini Phoenix NFL box or some new NBA gear, there's a good chance Fanatics has it. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.tinyurl.com slash WMPod and click the Fanatics logo at the top. Shop as planned and the Wax Museum podcast gets a small commission in the process. It's a win-win. Once again, that's www.tinyurl.com slash WMPod. This is Slick Leonard. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Boom, baby! Okay, we have got to talk about hobby social media. I can't speak for all of you, but... I know I end up spending a lot of time on it. I know some of you do as well. And now social media can be awesome at times. In fact, it's the main way that I promote my show. It's how I connect with listeners. It's the most efficient way for me to spread the word about what I'm doing. And I think if you look at the majority of worthwhile content out there, they use social media, they're consistent with it, and because the content is quality, people will eventually find it. It just takes time. Um, However, as the hobby has grown, and it definitely has this year, we've seen an influx of um, white claw drinking degenerates 
that have come in and they've offered their quote-unquote services to this hobby, and they've adopted a more aggressive approach. And they've used shortcuts to create their social media presence. And they've done so with the hopes of making a profit. Well, the fact of the matter is a lot of these people are breakers or they're trying to sell memberships of some sort. That's not to say that all breakers or memberships even are bad, but you definitely need to look closely and check the facts. Now, um, lately, one popular approach with these people is to simply spam inboxes on social media. I figure that there are bots or scripts that can do this for them, but maybe some of them do actually copy and paste their message and send it to an entire list. I don't know about you guys, but I am tired of getting unsolicited messages from these bozos. And it's not just on my Wax Museum account. It's not because I have um, that podcast following. It's on my personal account as well. And it's almost as bad as all the political texts that we were getting leading up to the election. At least those things had a stopping point. But these things just keep coming now. Um, And it's not all from small accounts that are nameless and faceless. I mentioned my personal account, and it's kind of my Pacers account. Um, Here's a message that I got on that account back in June. I'll read it off and let you guess where it came from. It said, Hey, how's it going? We are running a 20-box break tonight at 9 p.m. The Mavericks are still available if you're interested. Okay, you need a hint? You know who that, any idea who that was? Um, I'll give you a hint here. They were on some virtual hobby panel this past weekend. Um, Now, I didn't pay to watch it, so I'm left to assume that they must have had a panel about spam. um, Because I don't know what else they would have talked about. Um... Are you still stumped? Okay, it was pull wax. Um, so when they sent me this message in June, I called them out in my stories and I said, why would I care about the Mavs? Okay, my, my, you know, my account has a big Pacers logo right on it. Don't send me this spam. And then I tagged them at pull wax and I put a picture or a, you know, emoji, whatever you want to call it, a graphic of a can of spam. Well, Uh, Apparently, they didn't appreciate being held responsible for their actions, so they replied, You don't want to pull any nice Lucas? Shrug emoji. Sorry about that. Could just let us know next time, though. Okay, so now all of a sudden, they're playing the victim, right? Oh, you could have just let us know, which doesn't fly with me. So I said, "Um, You're soliciting. Don't act like you don't know it. That's spam. I don't randomly message you my eBay listings. And they closed with, fair enough, but next time, please just let us know that you don't want that, and we will not send you these again. Our apologies. Now, my first question after all of that is, since when do I have to inform someone that appears to be a grown-up, okay, at least I think your tag is pull man, right? You appear to be a grown-up. Since when do I have to tell you that I don't want your unsolicited direct messages, But I share that exchange because I think it provides a working example of how some of these people think. They think that you're fair game for their unwanted messages until you, in a very direct way, tell them off. And it used to be that you could ignore these messages and they would just go away. Uh, But some of you have sent me screenshots from accounts that badger you again and again. Um, And you know what? You're a loyal listener to this show. You tune in most weeks, some of you all weeks, and I want the best for you. 
And the best for you is not to have someone hitting you up nonstop. So while we could just keep ignoring these messages or trying to weed out the bad ones manually, um, I want to try and be your representative here. I want to make it known that you are tired of receiving these messages. But we know um, how some of these people work. Okay, we've seen it. I read an example of it. Simply broadcasting it on an episode isn't going to be enough. And I don't think that I have any sort of power to stop it all, or even a good percentage of it, or even hardly any of it at all. Um, but even then, I'd like to at least try to take a very small segment of these people and make a point to them. And that's what I set out to do this last week. So I had to come up with a plan. And I reached way back in the archives, and I sort of modified an approach that I remembered from a Seinfeld episode. Now, obviously, Jerry never dealt with online breakers, but he did have his fair share of telemarketers. So I'd like to play a quick clip for you from a season four episode titled The Pitch. And I don't own this clip. Uh, Please go buy the show on DVD. You remember those things? Um, Watch it on whatever streaming service it's on now. Please go out of your way to watch it in syndication. Watch this show. Support it. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. So here we go. I'm sorry, excuse me one second. Hello? Hi, would you be interested in switching over to TMI long distance service? Oh, gee, I I can't talk right now. Why don't you give me your home number and I'll call you later? Uh, well, I'm sorry, we're not allowed to do that. Oh, I guess you don't want people calling you at home. No. Well, now you know how I feel. (laughs) So, in this instance, Jerry sort of turned the game on its head. He was threatening to call the telemarketers at home. It's brilliant, right? Well, in similar fashion, I figured I could send unsolicited messages to those accounts in the hobby that I know are sending you unsolicited messages. Let's give them a taste of their own medicine. The only problem was I'm not a breaker. And finding someone that would be willing to jeopardize their brand to pull this off wasn't going to happen. So I had to create a breaker persona on my own. And in order for this to work best, I felt that this account had to be equal parts aggressive and obnoxious, equal parts hustle and grind, equal parts pull and wax. And it wasn't long before the idea of the RIP gods was conceived. And that's gods, all capital letters, G-A-W-D-Z. That's fitting, right? Um, Zeus had a giant headache, which is how we got Athena. Likewise, hobby social media has had several major headaches, and the rip gods were brought to life. Um, So from there, you know, the rip gods, the idea came to life. I knew I had to create a logo. After a little hustling and grinding on the computer, I found a picture of Hands on Fire. I ran it by a couple people, and they said, it looks good, but you need more stock arrow emojis, and you need a Bitcoin logo. Well, they were 100% right. So I added those and then a couple of characters from the Stonks meme, and voila. Um, Now, just think, several months ago, I was stuck in Instagram jail. I thought they had thrown away the key. Now I'm rolling out a third account. Um, But this new account, though, needed to look drastically different than the other two. I really had to take on the Rip God's persona. I had to practice speaking in grind. I had to get used to using all caps. I had to intentionally misspell words. So really, I just spelled things like a lot of my um, students do. And 
then, of course, I had to post an assortment of pictures of um, unopened products, awesome singles, and inspirational messages. Throw in an occasional man on fire. Sorry, that last one got a um, graphic warning on it, which I think made it more mysterious than it actually was. But, um, you know, so I, I apparently men on fire are, are tagged. Um, but at the same time, you don't know how many Denzel Washington pictures I had to sort through to find that. So um, anyway, I followed about 20 or 30 accounts with invest in the title. I made a few posts to look like I had been in this thing for a while. And then it was time to let the gods roam. And the next task involved figuring out who to send to. Well, you guys did a lot of that work for me. So thank you. Um, I ask you to look in your inboxes and send me screenshots of all of the accounts that had spammed you in the last two weeks. And you did not disappoint. Um, the response was pretty fascinating. The response, there it was plentiful. Um, in fact, there were even a couple of repeat offenders. So I don't know how many times someone sent me a message from JJM Breaks or a bot advertising DAPS Sports. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. There's a Z in there. Um... But once I had my list, which was a little over 20 breakers, uh, razzers, and membership seekers, I set out to start messaging them. And at first, I thought I'd send out a blanket message about joining a break, um, which was always spelled B-R-A-K-E. But then I realized that I would probably get more enjoyment out of um, essentially copy and pasting whatever messages they were sending you. So if they were really annoyed by something, well, it was, you know, an exact, almost an exact replica of what they were doing. I just had to modify a few details here and there. And that's what I did for a lot of people. Um, another one of my favorite messages that I sent out was something along the lines of want to join a break soon. In all caps, like I said, break was always spelled B-R-A-K-E. And I left all punctuation off, which forced them to interpret whatever I was saying. So that all, you know, maybe that irritated them a little bit. It kind of reminded me of the Anchorman scene where they put an unnecessary question mark on the teleprompter and Ron Burgundy had to deal with that. Um, so no matter what way these guys interpreted my message, I pretended like I always meant the opposite. So if they answered it as if it were a question with, a, you know, a yes or a no, um, I would reply, I wasn't asking a quest in all caps. Um, if they didn't interpret it as a question, I would write back, I was asking you a quest, in all caps. Um, now, here's an actual interaction I had with someone, and, and just so I don't have to keep saying it, um, just know that all of my messages are in all caps. So I said, want to join a RAS soon, R-A-S-S, RAS? And he replied, can you take my last spot without a question mark? Um, to which I replied, I was asking a question. Now, um, you know, when all of us said and done, I wish I could tell you that I went 20 for 20, you know, that all of these guys got frustrated with me, that I had gotcha moments with all of them. Um, but ultimately, there were different levels of receptiveness to this. Um, number one, in a lot of cases, I was completely avoided. The messages weren't even labeled as being read. Um, now, number two, there were cases where it showed the messages were read, but there were no responses. So when I saw that, um, you know, I knew I had at least broken through, so I would send a follow-up, and it usually read something like, 
Um, it shows massage was seen, but no reply. Just making sure you saw it. And sometimes that worked and moved things to the next level, which uh, level three was, you know, some type of general response. Um, level four would be an actual conversation that transpired. And then level five was what I would call getting caught in the net. And I didn't really know what level five would look like until I got there. You know, I wanted to script out these conversations in my head, but a lot of it is just um, reactionary. So um, I tried a couple of different approaches. And the one that I found the most effective was asking them if they did SSUDM format breaks. SSUDM. And I figure the majority of you haven't heard of those. Um, and that's because I made it up. <laughs> so if their answer was no, I would ask them if they knew what it stood for. You know, like surely you, you wouldn't turn these breaks down or you would not offer these because they're the hottest thing in the market. Um, and some people automatically jumped to that point and said, um, you know, what is SSUDM? And that's what when I would reply in all caps, it stands for stop sending unsolicited direct messages. And of course, I always got a little chuckle out of this because it's so juvenile. It's like I was role playing as Bart Simpson calling Moe's Tavern and asking for Seymour Butts. Um, now, normally when I got to the gotcha part, if it got to that, the exchange screeched to a halt. Uh, but sometimes it kept going. And in one particular instance, I was messaging some account named Motivation Kingdom. They post all sorts of generic, inspirational, hustle and grind messages. Um, so I started the whole thing off by saying, are you joining breaks? Um, and he, they ignored that completely. But they did let me know that they were selling their page for cheap and I could DM if I was interested. Um, well, you know, of course I was. So I said, why are you sailing? And he said, well, I don't have the time to manage it. And seeing as his name was Motivation Kingdom, I knew this was going to be fun. So over our next several messages, I think I said things like, um, you ran out of motivation, bro. I guess the kingdom has fallen. And then finally, um, you know, I modified something from earlier. Do you take SSUDM payment? Well, he asked what it was. And I tell him to stop sending unsolicited DMs. And he, he recognized the hypocrisy of the whole thing. A couple messages later, he said, and maybe you should stop DM everybody too. To which I replied, yeah, it turns out people don't like it. And I feel like that's a good segue for me to close out today. This whole, I guess if you call it an experiment, played out over the course of the last week. And like I said earlier, you know, I didn't really know where it was going. I didn't expect to magically fix the problem or change minds on the issue. Um, I wanted to have some fun and, and bring this situation to light. You know, I know the whole thing was very trollish. I know it's not for everyone. Um, and there are people out there that handle it in a very civil manner. I had several people tell me that they always try to give polite responses to unsolicited messages, which is, you know, very admirable. But um, at the same time, I don't think the people sending the messages and the people receiving the messages are coming at this with the same thoughtful approach. Um, I think these people need to be told no in very direct terms. And I think the repeat offenders need to be called out publicly. Then you can see who they are. 
then you can see who they align themselves with in the hobby world, and then you can make your own determinations about who you conduct business with going forward. All right, so there you have it. Obviously, that was something a little bit different. Um, I don't think we've seen the last of the Rip Gods, but they're probably done sending out waves of messages for now. Um, But I'd like to think that we can come together as a hobby community and become problem solvers. Maybe you have some thoughts on this whole situation. I'd love to hear them. Um, Additionally, it's hard to read a lot of text exchanges over the air because they end up more like SGC social media videos, but I'll try to post some of them throughout the week. You can find me on my Instagram, which is at Wax Museum Podcast, or my Twitter, which is at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. Or shop through my Fanatics link and I'll get a small cut. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.